Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. ACC stands to get about $72 million in additional revenue from ESPN if it expands by three schools. Its deal uh, requires uh, $24 million from ESPN for every new member. Stanford and Cal, SMU, all pursuing the ACC, and it looks like there's some pushback in the ACC footprint that is really interesting. I don't know how this is going to end. I'm not going to pretend to guess whether they can swing one vote or not, but they've got about $72 million in additional revenue from Camp Stanford, Cal, and SMU if they add those three schools. Now, there's some travel expenses here. I don't know how you're going to offset the travel expenses. I don't know how much additional revenue will be available, but let's just say you got $50 million to sprinkle over the ACC members who are unhappy, yeah, particularly some of the schools that are saying, hey, we're not voting for this because you know we, we it's not getting us more money. Uh, what can the ACC do there to try to swing one vote? Well, we'll find out. Uh, and where does this leave Oregon State and Washington State? A source at one of those two schools telling me today, quote, I will fight to the bloody end, end quote. And uh, it's already bloody. But uh, Oregon State and Washington State trying to figure out a path. A guy who's been uh, a longtime reporter on the Pac-12 beat, understands the Pacific Northwest better than most. Tyson Alger, i5corridor.com, who happens to be celebrating an anniversary is it two years today? Is that right? That you launched the I five corridor? It's it's two years today, John. The uh, the website hasn't crashed yet. The the, the servers aren't overloaded. Uh, we're we're hanging in there. Uh, thanks for having me on today, buddy. Yeah, you bet. Congratulations on that. That's that's awesome. We're we're gonna talk some about that and you know what you've learned in two years of doing this thing. But I uh, I got to start with that ACC conversation. Oregon State, Washington State. It looks to me, Tyson, like you know they are pr- planning to move forward as a group of four, but also Oregon State, Washington State looking at each other going, hey, we might be in this alone. Um, There are some assets left in the Pac-12 that they could, that they might be interested in, but at what point do you look at it and go, hey, you're just better off going to the Mountain West? I mean, again, people people haven't hired me for my uh, my money expertise quite yet, but at, at this point, like, at this point, I feel like it makes a lot more sense for Oregon State and Washington State to try to make something to work out here. I mean, if you're already hearing Stanford and Cal and some of their athletes talking about what that travel schedule is going to be like, and, and those are for schools that, and specifically in Stanford's case, like don't have any financial worries to, to consider. And I, I just think the um, kind of the regionality of these two schools, like I, I, I just don't see an Oregon State, Washington State fan base like getting up for <laughs> – whatever is, is happening on that side. So good luck to Stanford, good luck to Cal if that happens. You know who's in a really good spot? I'd like to have all that money that SMU does from all their from all their boosters <laughs> to, be able to, to be able to look at this thing and say, like, hey, we don't need any of that money for, like, the first seven years. We'll be fine or whatever it's been reported. Um, that's, that's a school who's in a, a very unique position, especially when you compare them to uh, these two Power 5 programs who uh, are, are still very much in limbo. And, you know, especially reading your story that uh, you just posted on your site, like you, you really like to have this worked out by week one, right? You know, it, it seems like every week we've been coming on here and saying that 
you know, we'd love to talk about football, and it's nice that this stuff's starting to get in the rear view. But, uh, man, it's, it's been incredible just, like, how long this thing has lasted. And it just it seems like, especially in Oregon State and Washington State's case, it, it's just so much of having to wait until all the more high-profile schools get their ducks in their own. Tyson Alger with us, I-5 Corridor. How much do you think this is going to cloud the upcoming college football season? Um, you know, I I don't think a ton, to be honest, uh, because I, I think the thing that we forget about is, like, the reason that there's so much hubbub about all this is, like, we all go pretty bonkers for football. Like, once week one comes around here and we start having some good matchups, and if if this Pac-12 season kind of lives up to the hype that we've all been hyping it up as, if, if you're able to get, you know, four or five teams that are, are contending for the conference title and you do get this play out of the quarterback class in the Pac-12, I, I think it will be pretty easy to at least compartmentalize and pretend like that all of this matters and it's the only thing that's happening. Um, obviously, conference realignment feels like something that we're going to be living with for you know, every time the TV contracts come up uh, for the foreseeable future. But I'm, I'm really, really, really banking that we might have some good football to kind of at least wash our mouths into this for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, DJ Uyunglele gets named the starting quarterback at Oregon State. We'll get to Bo Nix in a second. But, um, you know, what's important for DJ in the early part of the season in your mind? I think I think it's just to get a flow, to be effective, to just look like he's the leader of the team. I mean, as we saw with Oregon State last year, you don't need a guy to come in here and start throwing six touchdowns a game. Uh, Oregon State won 10 games last year without any semblance of a passing attack. So I just want to see a guy who has command of the offense, uh, who feels like he's getting kind of chemistry and, and reps with his teammates, who just looks confident out there. I, I, I think, you know, that's probably – one of the big, the hardest things for a player to go through is when you come out as like a five-star prospect who's the most hyped player in the country, and then you struggle a little bit, especially with the spotlight that comes with you when you're at Clemson. I just want to see him out there having fun and looking like he's that dude because everything on paper says he is that guy. And, and if you've heard some of the chatter around Oregon State uh, this summer and, and this fall, like he's, I, I think he's going to be a pretty darn good football player for them, John. We're talking to Tyson Alger, I-5 Corridor. Bo Nix uh, on the billboards in New York City, in Dallas. I'm told there's more plans for more billboards that they will roll out. You uh, you had a chance to hear him in in a media scrum. You know, uh, Is he talking about this stuff? Is he deflecting it? How is he handling the billboard? You know, Bo's a really good guy for Oregon to build this around because he does have a lot of the same similar um bashful or uh, humble or just kind of a lot of the same stuff that you associated with like Mariota and Herbert but Bo's also been a, a nationally known quarterback for four or five years like I, I think he knows how this game works and so yeah like at, he was deflecting a little bit today and saying that you know he's just trying to focus on the game and everything like he legit thinks this is cool like when they presented it to him um uh before they started putting it up he was just like heck yeah like let's let's do it so i I think it's a i think it's a really good combination of an athlete that kind of has that platform already and then mixed with a little bit of Oregon's magic and you know i i think bo is the type of player that can kind of handle this added um this i don't know if it's pressure but it's it's definitely hype because outside of conference realignment this has probably been the most discussed thing in college football for the last two weeks we got to talk about whether or not that billboard is a win. I think it's a win. The fact that we're talking about it is a win.
But you got some people out on their front lawn who are saying, oh, these billboards don't matter. They don't sway Heisman votes. And I don't really even know if it's about a Heisman vote. I think it's it's about brand. It's about marketing. I, I don't think it's – I mean, it coincides nicely because Bo Nix is in the Heisman race, but I, I think this has hardly anything to do with the actual Heisman campaign, especially as Oregon's entering the Big Ten and they want to be seen on this level as the an Ohio State's and Michigan's and, and the rest of college football's elites. Like, this is the one thing that Oregon is known for and that it does, and it, it feels like it had the right opportunity to do this. And, like – I don't know. It, it seems odd to me that some of the older people in media are, are calling this out and saying that it's out of touch when it 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 worked for them back in with Joey Harrington. And I, I think the unveiling of this one, we're doing it in New York last week and then doing the Dallas one and just how unique the Dallas one was. Like we're talking about it. Like we're talking about this almost as much as we're talking about realignment. I think that's a complete win. And I, I, I think the only way it goes sour is if Bo Nix comes out and has a terrible season. Dan Lanning, Oregon coach, speaking to media after the scrimmage over the weekend. Are there a few factors that you think kind of were really key for the defense being better early in the day than they were last Saturday? They played better. I mean, I think that's the main factor. In, in what ways? Like, can you get into specifics of? Well, when the offense doesn't get a first down, the defense stops them. There you go. Like, you guys are really digging in on this. Like, they played better at the beginning of the scrimmage. Is that something you challenge them to, to see them start? I mean, I challenge every one of our players to play better. You noted four turnovers last week. You said there were a couple today. How many, yeah. how many were there today? I'm not telling you. Right. There were some turnovers. Dan Lanning, a little bit testy with media members. Uh, give us your take on that, your read on that. Yeah, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard coming on here and being the media member being like, I don't like some of the ways that he answers questions because if there's any people who are going to get zero sympathy from anybody, it's, it's us people in the media. So I, I, I think Lanning has his approach in the way that he goes about things. And um, I understand it to an extent, uh, but that, that went to see, I, I think Dan was having a bad day because it was like right out, right after the scrimmage ended, he had kind of set them up, which is like, here's what happened at the scrimmage. And if he thinks asking, how did the defense play better is really digging in on a question. I, I really hope they don't lose many games this year because it's going to get a lot harder than that. Tyson, uh, you know, your season, you will cover the Pac-12, you'll cover the I-5 corridor. Give us an idea of what we can expect coverage-wise in uh, what will be year number three of the I-5 corridor. Yeah, you know, the, the thing that I was really proud about with year two is anybody that's been subscribed, they know that kind of my bread and butter is the Ducks, and it's probably, it's about 60%, 70% Ducks up on the corridor, but Within this last year, we've been able to expand and include Linfield coverage, Portland State coverage, Preps coverage. Uh, we did some soccer. We did Timbers and Thorns. And, and that's really what I want the corridor to eventually be is just something where people can open it up and have a pretty good read on what's going on in the state by reading good stories. And I, I think that's the one thing that I've learned in these two years is there's still a very, very large appetite for well-told well told stories. And I, I think between the success that I've had and the monster success that you've had, I, I think that we've really shown that uh, while it's definitely a changing medium, uh, I, I, I think we can find ways to still uh, excel and, and, and craft uh, quality work around it. Yeah, and I think, too, it, to me it's fun to to know, like, you know, I don't know how much you're enjoying your comment section, but I, I know when I was at the paper I avoided it, and then they did away with it because it was a cesspool, 
And now I find the comment section on my own site and your site, like the comments to be, you know, it's it's a good discussion. And, and it's it's what a comment section should be. Exactly. And, and I think that's one of the everyone talks about how things are worse these days. But I, I think one of the cool things of evolving media is some of the kind of the guardrails that it's taken down between you know, the writers and reporters and columnists and, and our readers. Like, I, I think it's healthy to have a, a community where we're all interacting and I'm learning about what they want to read and they're learning about the, my type of interest. And, and just I've generated a ton of stories just based off what people have suggested in the comments. And um, yeah, it, it's it's blown me away. I, I really can't believe I'm starting year three of this thing. But, um, you know, I've, I've had a ton of help from people, especially you and, and providing this platform to let me come babble about things on. But uh yeah we're cooking john all right i5corridor.com you want to subscribe and read tyson alger this season um you know week one were you will you be at Hudson? will you be on the road with the beavers where are you going week one so the we're going to have the corridor staff at Hudson for week one i i am a groomsman in a wedding week one i, I have a friend who does not respect the college football season um so yeah, we're 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 getting off on a on a rough start week one, but I, I think yeah I think the ducks will be all right without me. I think I think you'll be fine there. All right, Tyson, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, thank you for bringing your expertise and congrats on your two year anniversary. Hey, thanks a lot, John. There he is, Tyson Alger, I five corridor. I agree with him. I think Dan Lanning was having a bad day that day. I also think he's sick of those questions about the defense. I also think this whole billboard thing it's kind of annoying to me. I'll, I'll give you a little secret. I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret. You know, I saw the billboard, the Bonex billboard in Manhattan, and I thought, that is the most Oregon thing ever. That's going to work for Oregon. Not everyone could do it. You know, uh, Wyden and Kennedy, the advertising agency that is based in downtown Portland, uh, is behind the bodacious campaign, I am told. The second billboard popped up in downtown Dallas, I think it was yesterday or the day before, as they started putting it up. Two different buildings. Has kind of a different look. I posted both of them at johnconzano.com, but I immediately just kind of shook my head when I saw some people on social media and otherwise just sort of going, this doesn't work, this isn't good marketing, this isn't... I actually think the billboard business is doing pretty well. Like, drive around, look around, billboards work. Billboards, uh, you know, the people see them, you know. And but I also think, from a football standpoint, that building in Manhattan, Oregon, putting Bo Nix on that building, it's huge. It's it's not about the Heisman. It's about Oregon. It's about you know, hey, if you come to the University of Oregon, and you rise above, and you become a, a potential Heisman candidate. We could stick you on a billboard. It's a marketing campaign for the entire program. As much as Bo Nix is the face of it, you know, you've seen other ducks, including Joey Harrington and Keenan Howery, you have their moments um, where they get a billboard. Um, Justin Herbert didn't get a billboard, but he, he probably could have. Maybe he didn't want one. Who knows? We don't know. Like, you know, it was, it's a big, it's a big deal for the program. And, you know, I reached out to who I, the guy that I think is the best designer of such things on planet Earth. Uh, my buddy uh, Brian Capel of uh, Space Monkey Designs. And this morning, I reached out to Capel. You're going to like this, Stephen. And I said, hey, could you design 
a billboard for DJU, a billboard for Cam Rising, a billboard for the Pac-12 refs, all kinds of billboards. Design them and let's put them on prominent buildings across the country. So he's working on that project, and I'm going to publish it at johnconzano.com when he's done. But my creative juices got going, and I'm like, what if you put what building would you put the Pac-12 refs on? You know, what building would you put Cam Rising, the Utah quarterback, on? How about Michael Penix Jr.? Like, you know, if we're being real, and everybody had an unlimited budget, and frankly, I'm told by Oregon that this Bo Nix campaign is not being paid for by Oregon. So this is either coming from Nike or Phil Knight, okay? So, and running through Wyden and Kennedy. So you have great advertising agency. You got it fueled by Nike and Phil Knight and... I think it's fun, and it makes Oregon different. It's one of those things that sets Oregon apart. And frankly, if we want to be real, look at what's happening to Oregon State and Washington State today and right now in the last month. Ask yourself if it weren't for this kind of stuff that Phil Knight is doing, that Nike is doing, the brand of Oregon that has been created and, you know, it's been manufactured, it has separated from Oregon State, Washington State, and some others. Oregon being the same damn boat. We'd be talking today about, you know, the three or four Pacific Northwest schools that got left behind. It would be a very different conversation, I think, today. And, you know, I think anybody who knows the impact and the influence of Phil Knight understands that. Leave it here. Our big splash is ahead. Love the phone calls in the first segment of the show today. I'll say it again. I've said this numerous times before, but... um, I think one of the things, one of the surprising things that I've learned in 17, going on 18 years of doing this show, is that the callers will make me think about things. I had a couple callers made me think about things I hadn't considered before. You will uh, invite, uh, you're speaking for somebody, even if I don't agree with you, you'll invite uh, good discourse. Uh, and But the overall sentiment I got, and that I continue to hear, in the marketplace is that sports fans, college football fans, uh, don't really love where it's all going. Even I think even fans of programs that have been included with the haves, Georgia fans, Ohio State fans, Oregon and Washington fans, USC and UCLA fans. Because I, I, I think as much as you can look at the Big 12 Conference and you can say, okay, Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah ended up okay, which they did, you know, they'll live to play another day. You know, the Big 12, the fate of the Big 12 may be that it ends up being part of the middle tier of college athletics when, you know, it's not going to catch the Big 10 or the uh, SEC. It looks like the Big 12 and the ACC and maybe some leftover Pac-12 teams will probably exist in that middle tier. I don't know. All of it... Uh, Really makes me miss the days where uh, we were able to tune in and hear Keith Jackson call a uh, Pac-12 Big Ten Rose Bowl. Uh, we've got some. Uh, we got some news. We'll do it as part of our big splash. Let's go. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look! Look! Look at it. Where? Down there. The big splash. Well, I'll lead with the 49ers. Sam Darnold has beat out Trey Lance for the backup quarterback position in San Francisco. ESPN reporting this, that the competition for the backup spot is over. 
Niners will roll with Darnold as the number two behind Brock Purdy. They're exploring some options with Trey Lance, who was the number three overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. Uh, Lance was not in attendance at the start of Wednesday's practice. Uh, On Tuesday, Kyle Shanahan said he wasn't ready to announce his number two quarterback until closer to the start of the regular season. Uh, Now it appears as though the depth chart is taking shape. It'll be Brock Purdy. It'll be Sam Darnold. What do they do with Trey Lance? Steven, is there a market for Trey Lance? I don't think there is. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like there's going to be a little market, but it's not going to be, you know, obviously not, not going to be a first-round pick, not going to be a top-five pick. It's going to be a team that isn't necessarily sold on their quarterback, and they're like, you know what, you know, we, can, we can give you like a you know, fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick, and just take a shot at this guy. Um, but no, I don't think there's a huge market, so I think that's going to be a problem is, like, the – they, we don't know what Trey Lance can do. Like, we've seen glimpses, but it hasn't been great even when we've seen it. So we really have no idea what this guy is. So when you're, you know, if the 49ers do, in fact, trade him, it's going to be for minimal, you know, 50 cents on the dollar, 40 cents on the dollar of what you actually got, which is unfortunate for the Niners. But at the same time, it's the right decision to have Sam Darnold as your backup quarterback because you know what that guy can do. And you saw last season with Brock Purdy, with Jimmy Garoppolo, and you've seen in the past with Nick Mullins, even guys like that. Kyle Shanahan can get these guys going. So it, you just need a guy who's steady and consistent. That's what Sam Darnold is. Trey Lance, so up and down. We have no idea what that guy is. I, I feel like there's going to be a little market, but it's going to be a bad team and a bad situation for Trey Lance as well. It's going to be tough for him just to get on the field. It's one of these things that I see good franchises, good entities that win. What I mean is successful, not just good, but successful entities make mistakes. So do franchises that struggle. Everybody makes mistakes. These GMs, even at the top of the NFL, will misfire. The difference is the GMs and the teams that are at the top of the NFL year in and year out, when they misfire, they very quickly course correct. I'll be really interested to see if the 49ers linger in this Trey Lance misfire and let it kind of uh, hang around because it was a draft pick yeah, and John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan badly wanted Trey Lance in the 2021 draft. They went up and got him. Meanwhile, they're starting the guy who was the last pick in the draft, Brock Purdy. So I'll be curious to see how they handle this mistake. And, you know, it's a great example is, you know, we've watched franchises like the Patriots with Bill Belichick. They just don't let they don't let stuff linger. They don't let it – you make mistakes, they don't let it linger. They just course correct. Do you think it causes any type of tension in the locker room knowing that he's still on the team and he was the third pick in the draft and they haven't done anything with him? It just – it creates a distraction. It's a media distraction. It's a fan distraction. It's a distraction in the room. You know, it's Lance – you know, you you ideally don't want your number three pick to be your number three quarterback. Like, you know, they took him third overall in the draft. So I think – It'll be interesting to see if they can get over the ego and the mistake of misfiring on the pick and course correct. If they can't, I think it will be a distraction because Kyle Shanahan will get asked about it throughout the season. Uh, I want you to leave it here. Four o'clock hours coming up. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.